episode 71, Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Monday, October 2nd. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us today, Ken Bellinger, Senior Trader. Welcome. Good morning. Trevor Nargis, Supervisor Training Team. Welcome to you. Hey, thanks, Danny. Before we start here, I want to say thank you to all the listeners that continue to come back. If you like what you hear, please share. We really enjoy making these, and obviously, you guys listening in and spreading the word means a lot. So let's get into it, right? What economic data is coming up? So... On Monday, we have construction spending and some ISM manufacturing data. Tuesday, get some jolts, job openings. Wednesday, auto sales, PMI composite, durable goods orders. And then Friday, the uh, always watch quite closely uh, payrolls information. So we'll continue to see how market digests that information. But Ken, let's get into it here. What do we got for some strengths? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, as we're through earnings season here, you know, we've seen current year end estimates have been pretty stable. Um, and next year's earnings estimates are expected to grow about 12% as we sit currently. And then we also have weekly jobless claims still very low. That's a, you know, we, that's a weekly release data, but not certainly not a le- leading economic indicator, but it's a timely coincident indicator, if you will. And one thing we've talked about as well, you know, just monitoring what's going on throughout the portfolios, what's taking place in markets has been just the strength of oil. And I mean, subsequently, you get energy related stocks kind of following that. But oil hit ninety five dollars last Wednesday, Ken. Uh, it did. You know, the whole sector is continuing to, to trade really well. And you know, something I know I've mentioned on here a couple times in the past is, you know, if you just look at inventory levels, you know, whether it be U.S. globally, um, and now a lot of focus specifically on Cushing. The stockpiles are the lowest there since 2014. U.S. inventory is lowest since the early 1980s when you factor in the strategic petroleum reserve. All the factors are there for, you know, continued volatility in that market. And, you know, even in a recessionary environment, you know, it won't take much to see a lot of violent upswings. Right. And because you have such this imbalance between supply and demand with the drain of the SPR, multitude of other factors, people trying to pivot away from that traditional energy usage. But one thing that's been interesting too is the market has kind of taken that in stride because we've seen coal catch a bid. And so it's going to be interesting to see how just kind of those traditional energy related assets trade here going forward. But nonetheless, have been strong, you know, XLE, the, you know, the ETF that basically tries to track the energy sector has been arguably the strongest performing sector over the past six months here. So we'll continue to monitor that and see what happens. But let's pivot into weaknesses here, Ken, what do you got? First one that really comes to mind is real yields hitting a new high, you know, over 2.3%. And, you know, kind of thinking along those lines, you know, is this, you know, a, a bit of a lost year for bonds, right? You know, and really, if you were out over the curve, you know, really significantly long duration. You've certainly been paying the price um, of late. If we've seen that that kind of bear steepening, um, if you will, where the back end of the curve, you know, that tends to the 30s have really ramped up in terms of yield here. Well, the short ends remain fairly stable. But again, you know, as we've said before, you know, a couple of times, cash isn't trash or cash is king or however you want to phrase it, right? Uh, you've been paid very well to sit in money market all year. Yeah. And that really goes back to, you know, talking about long end of the curve, things like that. What that gets into is duration and people have still been compensated, especially on the fixed income side to be short duration. And that's been tough for some people to kind of wrap their heads around, given the fact that 2022 was one of the worst years for long bonds that we've ever seen. And so people kind of take that and they're like, well, things were so bad. So it's due for a rebound. But, you know, we like to say on the team, it can always go down further, right? Just because it goes down X amount, it doesn't mean that, you know, you instantly find a base there. Things do have to materially shift. Yeah. The famous phrase is always just only 100% downside remaining. 
So <laughs> <laughs> just because something appears to be on sale, you know, it, it's worthwhile to dig into what, perhaps why that asset class is on sale or what the future looks like, right? Don't just buy something because it's 30% off. Right. And speaking of the sell-off too, there's gold, right? So the spike in real yields, we've seen a bit of a sell-off in gold, but overall demand for gold bullion is still strong. You know, you look at demand in China and one thing that was interesting, you know, our research analyst, Jason Cooper, uh, deals with a lot of individual equities, was looking at Costco and what they had to see. And so Costco actually does sell gold bars, but customers are limited to two one ounce bars per trip and they typically sell out within hours. And obviously maybe that's not at every store. I know the Costco I go to, I haven't seen any gold bars, but um, pretty interesting nonetheless that the demand there is still quite strong. But going back to kind of sell-off, right? We talked about bonds. We talked about gold. Stock market has corrected as well over the past, you know, couple of days, weeks. Call it um, S and P 500 equal weighted has corrected nearly 10 percent. Um, obviously, S and P 500 is is off its peak here. Market's trying to find a base. You know, we look at a slew of technical indicators. You know, obviously monitoring fundamentals, valuation, and trading. Right, trading isn't all of it. But Ken and I, being two traders here, um, looking at some technical indicators looking at the markets, trying to find somewhat of a base, but it is tough um, given kind of what you see from an overall fundamental backdrop. So going to continue to monitor price action and see how, you know, fundamentals continue to inform that. That's the beauty of kind of how the team is structured, right? We have different specialists in different areas, but we can all come together to kind of pick each other's brains. You know, going back to kind of the drawdown we're experiencing right now and, um, Really, it's been what I, you know, what you'd really think of as yield-sensitive assets. We already talked about bonds, um, but on the equity side, we're really seeing significant weakness. Has been utilities, you know, down more than fourteen percent for the year. So, really significant underperformance to the rest of the market. But again, there's a reason for that, right? And the reason is, as the rates have remained high, you know, they've got significant cost of capital for you know new projects and, and things like that, where that really weighs on the utilities. And the flip side is, utilities tend to be invested specifically by dividend yield investors. So, as overall yield yields rise and that dividend doesn't necessarily increase to keep pace, the valuations decline, right? And similarly, uh, um, you've seen that in REITs. REITs are down uh, about more than 8% here year to date. That's another really yield sensitive uh, sector of the market. It all comes back to rate sensitivity, right? Because going back to what you said on utilities, those are very capital intensive businesses. And so what was nice for them over the past, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, call it when rates were very historically low, you know, you talk about near zero, the financing situation was a lot different and capital was cheap. And now you've had, on a relative basis, an astronomical move in rates, you know, from zero to north of five is quite a hefty move. And so markets pricing all of that in because that cost of capital just shoots up with the risk-free rate moving. Why don't we head over to opportunities here, Trevor? What are you seeing? You don't want to be contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian, but sometimes it's always nice to kind of take what the general public or kind of a lot of other investors are thinking and think about, you know, is there a possibility that they're wrong there, right, as a, as a simple thought exercise? And sentiment is quite poor, right? So typically that could be an opportunity to purchase. So what a lot of people think of is, the quite popular fear and greed index that's published by CNN. So that takes into account a bunch of different kind of trading factors, things like that. But that index hit extreme fear levels last Wednesday. So again, could be contrarian indicator that, you know, when people get extremely pessimistic, that all goes back to the common phrases, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So potentially some opportunity there, not saying that it's an all clear signal, but definitely something to think about. We also look at the CBOE put to call ratio 
hit 1.3 times. So what that's saying is that demand for protection is now elevated, which makes sense, right? People are getting a little scared with the recent pullback in the markets, albeit relatively small in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, what we've been talking about as a team is kind of trying to anticipate this and highlight the potential opportunity to buy protection a few weeks ago when the VIX was super low. Because when the VIX is low, it's implying the market's thinking that there's not going to be as much volatility going forward, maybe signals some signs of complacency. That could be an opportunity to buy protection. And it's like what our chief investment strategist, Todd Void, always says is that you buy insurance before the fire, not during it. So... Right. Because it's, it's no good when the when the house is on fire, they won't go in and, and insure it then. So definitely something to think about there as far as potential opportunities here. Ken, what else do you have? Valuations, I think, is an important uh, opportunity here as well. Here we see the S&P trading at about 18 times forward earnings, which, although maybe still slightly elevated from a historical perspective, it's significantly lower than we've seen over the past five years, really, where we've been north of 20. So, you know, the prospect of a recession could potentially change the attractiveness there. But this isn't the same valuations we're looking at, it, you know, early 2020. 22 specifically when we were you know, trading 23 times the market was just roaring into what ended up being a pretty significant decline um, and similarly um, the small caps really the S&P 600 specifically here is trading at 12 times earnings um, it really hasn't seen any multiple expansion um, since 2022 either so I will give a shout out to uh, one of our strategies here we do have a, a small cap strategy not going to discuss any of the details or names or anything like that but Again, we focus on really high quality companies, strong balance sheets, and companies that are going to be able to make it through you know, any potential downturn in the market relatively strongly because they're you know, low leverage type companies that don't necessarily need to be go raising capital uh, you know, when rates spike. Right, that kind of what you've seen now. And that's been a common thing that we've discussed on this podcast as a team, kind of in general, moving forward here, given, you know, the move in rates, uh, the likelihood that rates do stay higher for longer here going forward. When that is kind of the situation, you do want superior operators, good capital allocators, companies with strong balance sheets that can, you know, buy back shares, weather the storm, increase dividends, so on and so forth. So I'd say, you know, continuous opportunity within quality names, whether that be large cap, mid cap, small cap, um, always something to think about. Sure. And then the, the last thing I'll mention here briefly is just yields is, you know, being real again, really, right? You know, most of the increase we've seen has been driven by really perceived risks of real rates and not necessarily by inflation. So certainly not driven by enthusiasm about the growth outlook here going forward. And this type of risk tends to fade relatively quickly over time. So it's something we're certainly keeping an eye on as a, as a team. Yeah. So let's pivot into threats here and we can kind of wrap up with our last section. So Ken, what are you seeing from a threat standpoint? Sure. So, you know, stocks aren't expensive on a relative basis, like we just talked about with the PE. But when you, you know, factor in really how high treasuries and the risk-free rate has moved, if you look at it in terms of the equity risk premium, that's a pretty small premium you're getting for the amount of risk you're, you're technically taking in equities. Yeah. And the, and the key point there is that, you know, that relationship can be kind of fluid over time. We've talked about that multiple times as a team, but it's always good to look at these things at extremes. Right. And you're kind of seeing relatively extreme levels as far as the equity risk premium is concerned uh, with it being quite depressed. And so, you know, we've talked about this before, but the equity risk premium is simply the earnings yield on stocks 
uh, and you take the risk-free rate and subtract that. So commonly people use like the 10-year treasury yield, something like that. So that relationship kind of at an extreme level right now maybe suggests that things are somewhat overvalued. But the thing is, again, another common market phrase, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Markets can grow into valuations. Just because a valuation's high doesn't mean it's wrong, right? People talk about the peg ratio, earnings growth, all that type of stuff. So there could be some opportunity for the market to continue to grow into that. But at extreme levels, um, you know, you want to exercise a little bit of caution. So just something that we think of as a threat. Yeah. And, and on that, um, so I'm just sticking with, you know, call it risk premiums uh, on the you know, corporate bond side. Really, we haven't seen spreads widen too sharply, like, especially not like we've seen in 2020. You know, if you look at the CSI Barclays High Yield Index, which is really you know, lovingly called junk companies, but really things that are double B, right? A little bit of your more riskier companies. Those spreads are still at pre-pandemic levels. So we saw those more than double in 2020 during that really sharp sell-off we saw in March. And the CSI Triple B Index, which is your, your lower investment grade, it's the same story. Uh, we just really haven't seen those yields or those spreads expand like perhaps we would have thought initially. I will say, you know, their real cost of borrowing has still certainly gone up because although the spreads have remained flat, you know, four and a half plus four and a half is nine as opposed to four and a half plus zero is, you know, four and a half, right? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of monitor that because, you know, you hear these anecdotes about how, you know, default rates are picking up, bankruptcies are picking up. Definitely something to watch going forward. Another thing we talked about earlier was the strength in oil prices and in energy stocks. And kind of how you think of that potentially from a threat standpoint is higher oil prices lead to higher gas prices, which potentially as we maybe look to enter a colder season here, right? We're starting to kind of get into fall, winter in the U.S., higher energy prices, that could kind of put more pressure on inflation and keep that a little more elevated as, you know, student loans come back online, maybe that crimps consumer spending a little bit. Um, so there's kind of all these forces at play here. But the key thing from a threat standpoint is that higher energy prices could continue to make inflation tougher to combat. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and specifically in the energy side domestically, right? We already talked about the low inventory levels. We're also heading into hurricane season in the Gulf, which could, has the potential to potentially, you know, shut down some refineries and activity you know, in the Gulf, which is you know, where the majority of that production takes place domestically. And you've also got, like I said, the, the low inventory levels. And as winter approaches, we've seen a couple of times now, and, you know, specifically in Texas, where that cold weather causes, you know, a short-term energy crisis. And with, again, with levels this low, you know, knock on wood, not hoping for anything to happen, but certainly open, you know, eyes open to the possibility of, you know, some kind of event like that happening again this winter. And the last thing we can touch on here too would be maybe a potential confirmation bias issue with the Fed here. It seems like there's such this, I guess, conviction that a soft landing is going to be achieved that, you know, there's a threat to, you know, ignore evidence that's contrary to that. So maybe looking underneath the hood at some other items that might lead to inflation coming back. So aka energy prices, like we just talked about. But you know, there's a general consensus from the market too, right? Just looking at how things have been priced, how markets have been reacting, this consensus around a soft landing. Um, you know, it's always good to be optimistic. You also have to be realistic. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. What's our headline strength this week? Say energy and employment. Headline weakness. Yield sensitive assets. Headline opportunity. Reasonable valuations and increased bond yields. And the headline threat. Risk premium and tight bond spreads. Ken Bellinger, Senior Trader, thanks. Thank you. Trevor Narges, Supervisor, Training Team, thank you. Thanks, Danny. 
Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.